0: No, I've shared this with you before, but uh, growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer. And uh, when I was young, I remember watching uh, old court shows, especially when my grandmother would come to visit or I'd go to visit her. She would always be watching old reruns of Perry Mason. And uh, there was a show on called The Judge that she watched every, every day that I would watch with her as well. And uh, that continued on when I was in college. I was just, I uh, watched any and every type of criminal justice programming. I loved it. And uh, for those of you who are like me, you know, when watching a lot of those shows, you know that for a person to be found guilty in a court of law or, or to even go to trial for that matter, you have to have quite a bit of what is called direct evidence, hard evidence, real, clear evidence that a crime has occurred. And as many of you know, as you watch shows like Dateline and, and uh, the old show American Justice and others, you know that if you have large amounts of indisputable, clear evidence of a crime, chances are good that the prosecution is going to win, chances are good that the defendant's going to be found guilty. It doesn't always happen that way, but a lot of the time it does. And of all the damaging types of, of, of evidence, there, there are, given in a, a court case, few are more convincing to the jury and more damaging to the defense than expert statements And eyewitness testimonies especially if there are more than one for example if in a case the prosecution calls for a couple of testimonies from forensic experts and and they also have uh, two or three or more eyewitnesses they have a solid chance of winning especially if their witnesses are intelligent competent sound in mind and ethical if you have your Bibles Turn to Mark chapter 16. Today we are finishing our Easter series through Mark, titled Mark's Easter Story. And it is fitting this morning on Resurrection Sunday 2018 that we're going to end by looking at verses 1 through 8 of Mark 16, which is the account of the first eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection. All four Gospels include this account, by the way. All tell of Jesus' arrest and His crucifixion, His burial, and His resurrection, which means they're very, very important, right? And each writer, they, they include different details and unique elements in their account. We learned last year when we are looking at Mark's Easter story, Mark's account of the Easter story of Jesus' death and resurrection. Remember, I harmonized the different accounts for us found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I explained to you in detail the timeline of the events. And I'm not going to go into that today for the sake of time, but I have provided you in the foyer a timeline of of the the event, so you can take one of those with you if you want to when you leave today. This morning, I want to mainly focus in on Mark's account of the resurrection, but I, I will add a few details from the other gospel accounts as well, just to sort of bulk up the story a bit, okay? But before we, we, we move on, let me say one more thing about the differing accounts, the differing details in, in each account. And I shared this with you last year as well, but it needs to be shared. The different details in each of these accounts should not concern you. It should be of comfort to you, Okay? Look at this quote up on the screen. This is from my Greek and New Testament professor from seminary, Dr. Easley. Look at this quote. He says this. The harmonization of the Easter accounts are notoriously difficult to harmonize. For example, in a few accounts, two angels are mentioned in others only one. Some accounts mention one woman, others more. This, he says strengthens the case for the truthfulness of the accounts because this shows there was no secret agreement between the four writers to all say the exact same thing. In these four accounts, we have four different perspectives on the same story. Just like with witnesses in a court case, if recollections are identical, that lessens the value of what they report. I agree. These differing accounts remind us that this book, God's book, the Bible, was written by different men with different perspectives and different personalities all the while being carried along by the Holy Spirit. Look at what John MacArthur says on it. Look at this quote. He says, the different details in each account gives testimony to the fact that the writing of the Gospels was not some kind of contrived operation by a committee of people who tried to make everything match perfectly. This is not a group of people writing histories from a common single source as if there existed some source from which Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their Gospels. If they were all writing from a common source, they would be pretty much saying the same thing. These are individually inspired writers, and they're writing from their own experiences. Many believe that Mark was writing from the perspective of Peter giving his perspective of these events. Some believe that. Uh, Many argue that Mark was the first gospel written, though it appears second in our Bibles. But it's thought to be from Peter's perspective, which of course would have been different, but not conflicting or contradictory, okay? So Mark 16. Mark, like Matthew, Luke, and John, in their accounts of Jesus' resurrection, Listen, he's doing more than simply recording facts about what happened on that Sunday morning 2,000 years ago, though everything he says is absolutely true. What he's doing is he is laying out the evidence for Jesus' resurrection so that we you and me would be convinced so that we would know that Christ has been raised and believe on Him and have life in His name. So this morning, I want to focus in on verses 1 through 8 of Mark 16, and I want you to see the proof of the resurrection through what Jesus' followers witnessed. As some of you know already, there were hundreds of eyewitnesses in Mark's day to Jesus' resurrection. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that more than 500 saw him at one time. And in every gospel and in the book of Acts and in a few of the epistles, we have eyewitness accounts of the resurrection given to us, okay? In Mark 16, we have recorded for us what Jesus' followers saw. They were all women, So, the first eyewitnesses to the risen Christ were women, which, by the way, says a lot, right? And I'll tell you why. If Jesus' followers were trying to make up, trump up a resurrection myth, it makes no sense whatsoever for them to give us the eyewitness testimony of women, and I'll tell you why. In the first century in this culture, a woman's testimony was not considered legitimate and valid. Now, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that's the way things should be, but that's the way they were back then. And that's very, very important. It's a very, very important detail in this story. Because if that's true... And the gospel writers are trying to trick people into believing in Jesus. Why would they give us the eyewitness account of women which would not be considered reliable and valid? Can you answer that for me? It's a pretty good question, right? You know why they gave it to us? Because that's what happened. That's what happened. The women mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's gospel as being the first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb and the risen Lord, they are mentioned in this way because this is the way the story went down. They were there. They're mentioned in this way because this is a true story. The reason these testimonies are included is because this is exactly what happened. And why were the women allowed to be the first eyewitnesses? Why we've talked about that over the past couple of weeks It's because they were there. They were constantly there. They are always with Jesus. This is an emphasis throughout this account. These women never leave his side. While the disciples are scattered, the women are... Are there constantly with Jesus during his life, from the time to his arrest, from the cross to the grave, and at the empty tomb. they're always by Jesus' side, which is why they are some of the first witnesses, as we'll see in a minute, to the empty tomb and the angels and the risen Lord. So let's let's talk about Mark's account, here, okay? Let's look at what these ladies experienced. I want you to see what they experienced. Number one, first, they saw the empty tomb. They saw the empty tomb. Look at verse 1 of Mark 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, When the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had rolled back. It was very large. Remember that. Don't just gloss over phrases in the Bible. It was very large. So notice, it's the day after the Sabbath. Sabbath was on what day? you all remember Seventh day of the week, right, on, on Saturday. And at this time, the uh, day ended after 6 p.m. So actually, it'd be Friday night after 6 p.m. our time until Saturday our time, 6 p.m., okay? So this was uh, the day after that, the day after the Sabbath. This is on the morning of the first day. Mark jumps into the story after the angel descends and knocks the guards clean out and rolls away the stone. Jesus is already gone at this time. We are told that the ladies left for the tomb early. John says while it is still dark, while the sun is starting to come up, they got there when the sun had risen. Mark tells us that. The ladies making this trip were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. They, they, they brought spices that they had purchased to Jesus to make his body smell better because they did not embalm bodies in that day, so they were going to help his body smell better when they get there. The stone has been rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. And he emphasizes the stone was huge, okay? One individual is not going to roll that away. And they're definitely not going to roll a stone away without waking up everybody in the neighborhood, including Roman guards, they said, were sleeping right at the foot of the tomb, right? You see those details are important, aren't they? Now, why is the stone rolled away? Is it so that Jesus can get out? No, say no. No, he's already gone. Stone is rolled away. Not so Jesus can get out, but so that people can see in and go in and see that he is not there. Now the women go, and they do find something, but it's important for me to make mention here that they don't find Jesus. The tomb is empty of Christ's body, and that is one of the main Points in Mark's account. Listen, folks, these women arrived at at sunrise on the first day of the week, and when they arrived, they find that the tomb is empty. No Jesus. The empty tomb is a key piece of evidence when it comes to Jesus' resurrection. I had a professor in college who once said, if they could just find Jesus' body, the Christian faith could be done away with. And though I wasn't bold enough then, I would like to think that my response to him today would be, but they haven't, so what should that tell us? Right? Though my professor didn't believe in the resurrection, he acknowledged the fact that the empty tomb is a key piece of evidence in favor of Christianity. Listen, no matter what you do with Christ, you have to address the issue of the empty tomb. The the eyewitness accounts recorded by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John thousands of years ago still stand today. So that's the first piece of evidence, the evidence of the empty tomb. Notice what else. We're also told that these women, they had an encounter with angels. Look at verses 5 and 6. In entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. I imagine so. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He says, he is not here. See the place where they have laid him. When the women enter into the tomb, they have an encounter with angels. Mark Describes them as looking like a man, right? As a man, and and we know in other accounts in Scripture they are they are described in this way, like like they're described here. We're told in Luke too that 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 same sort of description is given. The other writers say that that. There were angels there. Matthew and Mark mentioned the angel who spoke. We're told in Luke and John that there were two angels in the tomb. One of the angels speaks and lets the women know Jesus is not here. He says, look. He's giving them evidence, right? He says, look at the place where they've they've laid him. He draws attention to the place where his body should have been. He says, see? He's not here. It's an amazing Encounter that they have here. And we learn as we read further that these women were not the only ones to see angels. We learn in John's Gospel that after seeing the empty tomb, we're told that Mary runs off to find Peter and John. When she returns, she too has an encounter with angels. We we learn when we read Matthew's account that the Roman soldiers saw the angel descend and roll away the stone before they passed clean out. And then they go and they tell the religious leaders what they saw. And then the religious leaders say, no, 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 don't say that. Say that uh, someone took the body while you were sleeping. All right. Which I always like to point out. That's pretty ridiculous. If, if they were sleeping, how did they know someone had taken the body? Right. Doesn't make any sense. So this is not some sort of solitary and secretive encounter. Many saw these angels and they were then called to go and tell others what happened. Look at verse 7. The angel said to the women, Go tell Jesus' disciples, And Peter, underline that and Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. So, So notice... These women are are told by this angel to go and let the disciples know about this encounter, which they do. They're the ones called to be the first witnesses. Though they're, they're a little hesitant at first, we're told later they do make this message known. Notice Peter is singled out here. They're told, tell the disciples and Peter. That's significant. Some of you know why he's singled out, right? Think about Peter at this time. Peter was in a bad way, wasn't he? When we last leave Peter, he's denying Christ. He denied him with the curse. Here, he is singled out by this angel. This angel tells the women, let Peter know that Christ is risen and that he's coming. Folks, that's grace. That's grace right there. That's a little touch of love from the Lord to Peter to let him know specifically restoration is coming for you, Peter. We learn that from John 21, don't we? So these women in Mark's account are told by these angels to go and share this message of the empty tomb and of Christ's resurrection. In John 20, 18, after Mary has an encounter with these, these angels and, and meets Christ outside of the tomb, she too goes and tells others. So, so notice here that this meeting here with these angels, it was not meant to be a, a secretive Sort of meeting. That was they were supposed to just stay hush-hush about, right? It wasn't. If it was, we wouldn't know about it, right? Be talking about it. It was meant to be told. And this gives further evidence for the resurrection. Not only did they see the empty tomb, but the women saw and heard from angels, and the angels showed them and told them that Christ is risen. And notice also the angel tells them the same thing Jesus told them before his death. He tells these women, go tell Jesus' disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And he sure did tell them that. Jesus before his death, Mark 14, 28 said, But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So the angel here is just reiterating the message that Jesus gives. And that's the work that the angels do throughout scripture, right? Angels play a key role in God's kingdom story. They, they fight for God and for his people. They're, they direct praise toward God. They ministered to Christ during his earthly ministry. They appeared to God's people to proclaim the good news of God's gospel. Remember, they appeared to shepherds on a hillside after Jesus' birth and to these women here in the empty tomb after Jesus's resurrection. They appeared to the shepherds on the hillside to let them know where Jesus could be found. They appeared to the women in the empty tomb to let them know where Jesus could not be found. How about that? They echo the words of God. They do His bidding. They are His messengers, and the message they give is our third piece of evidence here. In addition to the women seeing the empty tomb, And having an encounter with angels, they heard the message from these angels that Christ had risen. The women heard the message that Christ had risen. Look at verses 5 and 6. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. I imagine so. The angel said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. So the the, the angel in the tomb tells them that, that Christ has risen from the dead. And we learn in the other accounts that they do not simply hear this message, but after that they not only see the empty tomb, see angels, hear from them, but they have an encounter with the risen Christ himself. Look at Matthew 28, verses 8 through 10. You can turn back to Matthew 28, where I've got it up here on the the screen. Look at this. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings, And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him then jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to galilee and there they will see me so this is one of several appearances that jesus makes before meeting up with a larger group in galilee he appears to mary magdalene outside the tomb to these women he appears to two men on the road to emmaus to peter and his disciples minus Judas for obvious reasons and minus Thomas and later to Thomas. And what does he say here to these ladies in Matthew's account? He says, greetings, hello, is how that's translated. I love the simplicity of, of this account here. On the one hand, it's an amazing miracle that Jesus has risen from the dead, but it's reported in the simplest of terms because this is what happened. This is real life from history. Jesus knew these women. These women knew Jesus, and so he greets them with a friendly hello. After they see him and hear from him, we're told they embrace him and they worship him we're told at the end of verse 9 they came up took hold of his feet and they worshiped him now some think critically today of these men and women who lived at this time they think of them as being just this group of superstitious uneducated people who always leaned on the side of the miraculous who believed that events like the resurrection just happened all the time that's what they believed about these people which is why they were misled about what took place with Jesus's body for those who think that I want to point out two important details from this story that are significant. Number one, I want you to notice what these women were expecting to find when they set out that morning. And number two, I want you to notice how they respond to the news of the empty tomb and the risen Lord. First, notice that they left that morning for the tomb expecting to find Jesus' body in it. That's what they were expecting. That's why they bought spices and brought them with them for the body. Mary, when she saw the empty tomb, she took off and caught up with Peter and John. And what did she say to them? Someone's taken the body. We do not know where they have laid him. She's not a superstitious person, believing resurrections happen all the time. That's the way we would respond, right? Thomas later says, unless I feel the wounds of crucifixion, I will not believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. And we're so hard on Thomas, but put yourself in his sandals. These were not ignorant, superstitious people. They were like you and me. And notice after encountering the angel and the risen Lord, these women, though they listened to the angels, they fell at the feet of Jesus. They're scared to death. They weren't expecting this. Look at verse 8 of Mark 16. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. I imagine so. And when they encounter the Lord Jesus, he says, do not be afraid. What they do when they set out that morning, their response to the angels and the risen Lord, it gives further evidence to the validity of their story. These women set out that morning expecting to find Jesus' body in the tomb, but they didn't. They just didn't. Instead, they saw an empty tomb They had an encounter with angels. They heard the message that Christ had risen, and they had an encounter with the risen Lord. When the women see Jesus, though they're fearful, they fall at His feet, and they embrace Him, and they worship Him. And folks, if this is true, that should be our response. should be. It was Adrian Rogers who once said, if the tomb is occupied, nothing really matters. But if it's empty, Christ is the only one who does matter. So true. What say you? You believe it? Folks, if Christ has risen from the dead, that means he is who he claimed to be. He is the Lord God. He is God the Son, the King of all kings, Lord of all lords, and He alone is worthy of all of our worship. What's your response going to be to Him today? Do you believe this message? Do you believe Christ is risen? from the dead. Eyewitnesses tell us he did. They they saw the empty tomb. They saw the risen Lord. God tells us from his word that Christ is risen from the dead. And the question for you today is this. Do you believe it? Are you trusting in Christ alone as your risen Lord and Savior today? If not, I pray today be the day, no better time than right now, to forsake sin And bow the knee to King Jesus. Let loose the reins of your life and give them over to Him. Make Him your Lord today and be saved. Let's pray.